Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Well, by the dip is working again. Uh, rising COVID cases, we don't care about that. No stimulus, we don't care about that. They just buy the dip and see what happens. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fireworks at the close on Friday, specifically in Amazon. We'll talk about what, why that went down the way it did. Uh, earnings for today, not much really this morning. Halliburton this morning, IBM after the close today, but the big guns will be later in the week. Netflix, uh, Tesla, Chipotle. So we'll preview those with our guest at 8.35, Dimitri Parganamic. He's the co-founder of Market Chameleon and Options Research Platform. Uh, we have some M&A today as well in the energy space. And that'll be it. Uh, we'll take questions from our chat. That'll be at the end of this show at 8.50 or so. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And Joel, tell us what exactly is happening here in the pre-market session. Uh, as of right now, we bounce back from that week close on Friday. We'll discuss that in more detail with Dennis here in a minute or two. But uh, close at 62 and a quarter under cash, opened up 34.70. You basically went up 26 and a half handles. It's almost in a straight up pattern. 34.96.50. That's your pre-market high. Not much up there of relevance. Starting to peel back a little bit. Still up 24 handles here at 86 and a quarter. Mid range on the session comes in at 83 and a quarter. And then I don't know, just work our way down to the close. But uh, quite a reversal from Friday's close, as you can see over here on the left, uh, to the overnight action. Uh, let's move on to crude. Crude is actually flat here at 41.12 and uh, not much of a range, 60 cent range in crude. Gold over 1900 up $10 at 19.16.5. Silver trying to sneak into the 25 handle. That's up 55 cents at 24.955. And last but not least, you have Bitcoin trading up $185 at 11545 Triple D, did you did you do some late work on uh, on Friday or did you uh, a little bit? I, I didn't trade that much because I was in the process uh, moving, so that's always fun. People know what moving is all about, and it's 
it's not that much fun. So, um, uh, that was this weekend. It was all the moves. So actually, uh, I trade a little bit on the Friday night. I traded for about an hour. I did see the Amazon move. Yeah, which was that was incredible something. fall. I mean, this happens. It's option expiration. So you will see moves like this happen in individual stocks. Somebody just wanted out. And what happened, if you bring up the tape and you look at it, Amazon fell about 100 points in the last three seconds of the day. So just somebody just hitting the sell button, did not care. Stock was 32.50, trade all the way down to 31. The low was 31, just ground 60. So lost about 90 points in the last three seconds. And then after hours, it was right back up at 32.50. So those were real prints. You, if you had an order out there, you could have got done. Um, and you could have just flipped it out five seconds later in the after hours at 32.50. So basically sweep down, somebody just like instantaneously hitting all the bids. And then the market's just right back to where it was after hours. So you see these big moves sometimes. Um, that's why we always say, you know, if you want in or out of a stock, you get your order out there on these option expiration closes. Sometimes, you know, you'll get your price. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of some indiscriminate selling there, though, just to, oh, yeah. I don't know, if someone got stuck or something. But no. you don't know the reasons behind yeah, it. It fat- could even be, you know, somebody just making a mistake on a I big size because yeah. it all happened so quickly. You know, it could be an algorithm. It could be, you know, a lot of you don't really know. All you can do is see the tape and you see the after hours and you see the after hours action as the stocks immediately back. But thinking, wow. You know, if you had an order out there, I did not. I wish I would have been. I was making markets and a lot of stuff. I wish I would have made a market in Amazon. I wasn't. Obviously, I probably would have felt a lot higher than 90 yeah, points lot, higher. Yeah. Yeah. So it probably would have blew through me. But um, yeah, so sometimes have your orders out there. Good things happen on option expiration. <laughs> And just like if you had, uh, like if you were holding like the 32, 40 puts or something like that, where did the, you know, oh, they're going to be out of the money. Well, let's see, actually 32, 72 uh, was the close, but that, you know, that's why you got to be careful with leaving those open-ended options positions, especially in high price stocks like that can really, uh, could really change things on the mark. Where did they get the close at? Uh, they got the close 3160 is where it went down to, but where did he end up getting marked at? He ended up getting marked at 3272. So wild trading in that. I'm glad I didn't Big have time. it ordered. Yeah. Uh, merger, uh, kind of a blah merger here in the uh, in the oil patch. Yeah, we actually have a couple of mergers today, but the ConocoPhillips one is, is the big one. COP is buying Concho Resources, ticker CXO. It's an all-stock deal valued at $9.7 billion. The ratio uh, Concho shareholders, so CX, uh, CXO shareholders will receive 1.46 shares of ConocoPhillips for every share of Concho that they own. 1.46. I have no idea what algorithm decided not to do the math on this this morning because it's fairly basic math. You take the ratio and you multiply it times the ConocoPhillips. So the ratio, Spencer just gave you 1.46. So you take the current price of ConocoPhillips, which is, you could say, 34.30. Let's just do it together so we can teach this because obviously some people who bought this this morning at 54 don't know how to do their grade one math. So let's just do it together. 34.25 times 1.46 is what now the risk garb ratio is for cxo and that gives you a cool 50 bucks lo and behold stocks 49.73 so just a slight discount for whatever reason somebody or some algorithm decided this was worth 55 dollars this morning 
that's five points too high. Basic grade one math says you're wrong, and that's why you got punished here this morning if you were buying this on the headline. Maybe they were speculating some other company is going to come and buy an oil stock. Probably not. Probably not in this environment. I don't know what, why even Conoco wants to buy, but, but maybe Synergies are trying to figure it out. We know the oil stocks are all in the gutter. So CXO shareholders are rewarded. The reason the premium is not very high on this deal is because it was already out there. We knew about it. If you look four days ago, stock already gapped up to 45 to 50 when it was reported that these were already, they were already in talks. So the price comes out and it's around 50 bucks. So whoever buys a 55, do your math, go back to grade one math, make sure you do it correctly. And the other thing, just looking at this chart here, just a longer term, how non-optimistic is CXO for their company here to be selling out here at $49? I mean, this thing- I'm trying to survive, Joel. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not even, that's $160, you know, two years ago, 49. I mean, we're in this situation with these oil companies. It's not even about, you know, growth and trying to figure out how to make more money. It's figuring out how to survive with oil. Where are we on oil now? 41 bucks. But a lot of these companies, if we look back to five years 50. ago, were 50, 60 break even. So, you know, they can make it happen. They can make it work. And the way they do it is they combine. They start cutting costs as much as you can. Synergies and cost cutting. That's how you survive with $40 oil. So, and we know, like, I just think the tra- trajectory for oil with the whole world moving to EV is not good. So, again, I own zero stocks in my long-term portfolio, zero oil stocks in my long-term portfolio will stay that way until, you know, something changes that the oil is all of a sudden clean because we're going to clean energy, whether the oil companies like it or not. That's why you got ExxonMobil with a 10% dividend yield. That's why you have Chevron with a 7% dividend yield because the writing is on the wall here. These dividends are not safe. And Conoco, I mean, this stock, uh, you know, is two for one stock split since uh, the end of 2018. Get, I don't know, I mean, it's getting a little pop up here, up 73 cents, where we at, 34.55. I'm I'm looking at this $36 level if you're looking for resistance on this one, see how they treat it. But um, just not not a lot of optimism. And uh, let's just go to what earnings here in the oil patch. How about uh, Halliburton? Were they out this morning? Yeah, Halliburton was out at, at 640 uh, this morning, 645. Uh, I, I mean, whatever. EPS, 11 cents versus an $0.08 cent estimate sales of $2.98 versus $3.09 billion. So I, don't, I haven't looked at a Halliburton earnings calendar in quite some time. No, I mean, they no they be, they always beat the estimate on their earnings. That's not that's not really saying much, but I mean, just, just I guess just tell us what were the earnings? They were fine. Their earnings no, were what, no, what were they numbers? They yeah, probably... seven cents versus five. Seven cents is not fine. Well, okay, so that's right. what I'm saying. It's just putting in perspective. Oh, we made seven cents a share. Ooh, cool. So, uh, <laughs> so a year ago, here put that in perspective. A year ago, uh, in the same quarter, they made thirty-one cents per share. Yeah. The trend is not your friend. Three years on their ago, earnings twenty-three production. cents. Three years ago, forty-one cents. So yeah. they yeah. used to make more money. There's a reason they're not making as much money. Uh, Kramer said it best last week: collar and mad money. So this, he he asked about Halliburton. He's like, "What's happened to my Halliburton shares?" And Kramer says, they're in the oil industry. And he moves on. <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah. 
Buying oil stocks, you're asking for trouble. Can there be bounces? Sure. Do I think that these, do I think Halliburton is a $50 stock again? No. I think when we look at Halliburton three years from now, it's under 10 bucks. That's my thoughts. I mean, we're going to have short squeezes. Yeah, we had a nice short squeeze from five to 16, but I just can't see, you know, coming in here and saying, this is the turnaround for oil. You want to be long oil stocks. The world's going to oil. It's not. (laughs) Sorry, Alberta. Canada, where all the oil comes from, it's trouble. Uh, 13, you hit that number a couple times last week. Doesn't look like we'll be seeing that. If you're interested in potential support, under 12 bucks, you had a couple lows, 11.70, 11.78. I mean, actually, 12.05, right where you're at, or just touched, uh, was your October 8th low. Man, I, I just don't know what to tell you. Major support is under eleven bucks here at ten sixty. And oil oil had a nice move and these stocks just I mean, and they've been doing this for a long time. They just they just don't respond. They have not responded. Their production costs are higher. Dennis, remember that um that uh Halliburton seller a couple years ago? Mm, no. He kept on coming in in the I after- was a buyer. Was, was it a, it a buyer, buyer or was it a seller? Yeah, it was a seller. Was it a seller? They yeah. kept on coming in. Oh, you're right. For ye- for for months and months after hours, Halliburton would just get slammed almost every day because there was some seller that just had to get out. And I don't know. You probably notice them more after hours. They're probably there in the regular session too. But I was like, I don't know who sells Halliburton every day, but I'm making a lot of money off of them because I would just turn around and flip it or I'd get short because anticipating that the seller is going to come back tomorrow. And it does. It was a seller going on your right for months, for months. Yeah, that yeah. seller ended up being a genius. <laughs> I know, I'm I scalping mean... him for pennies, and he's making dollars <laughs> in the long run, or at least, you know, maybe saving himself dollars. And it took a long time for him to liquidate that position, him or her. But they, hopefully they got out, and hopefully they got out in time. But they were on the right side of that trade, Joel. I remember you talking about it, and you're like, yeah, all the time. I, I, I forgot about that. It was like three years ago. It can't work again. Ago. It can't work again. You were like, it's not going to work again. And eventually it didn't it, work. Yeah, it just kept like the seller just kept coming in. I was I like, and then I would, I'd, I'd be short at coming in because I was anticipating that the seller might come back and it does. And then I would cover and then I go long and then I'm like, wow, they're selling down a dollar. I'll be able to get out you know, only down 50 cents tomorrow. And you, and it did. I was probably, and I forgot. It's funny. I forgot about that. You remember though. Yeah. But yeah. I, that Halliburton, I call him the Halliburton money fairy. He just kept like, destroying money out there like just nonsense like oh let's sell halliburton down two dollars after hours and there's no news on it no it was but you know what ended up it was right call he could have probably did it a lot better (laughs) he didn't have to sell it after hours all the time but ended up being right yep all right spencer we're gonna let you uh, take us away here and uh cover some other issues on the docket uh not much earnings we got some big earnings reports coming up later in the week but uh kind of a quiet start on the earnings front for can Monday. we can we talk about hertz here quickly is there anything on the daily chart as far as a level here because hertz is moving again this morning so my oh, first squeeze. thought my first thought was okay maybe there's something that joel can find from back in june <laughs> but this is uh, called squeeze 101 yeah let's squeeze them i thought a dollar 75 on friday morning i thought it was dumb i think it's still dumb at 279 but you know i'm not gonna short it because we know what these things can do i don't think there's anything left for shareholders when it's done but 
again, I don't trade bankrupt companies anymore because I learned from PCG. Sometimes bankrupt companies don't go to zero. So, and we also said on Friday, when stocks fall under a buck, there's no reason to be short them because unless you're some heavy penny stock trader, I don't short stocks under a buck because crap like this happens. So even bankrupt companies decide to go up 150% in one day. So you want to play those squeezes and time them? Sometimes they work, but if you're going for that, probably nine out of 10 times you're going to lose. Yeah, they'd even had uh, that dipsy doodle on uh, on Friday too. It was up and then it broke, shook everybody out, went down to a buck eighty, and then came roaring back. The only thing I could see here is three bucks. Someone has a little bit of opinion at three bucks. You got to three oh two on two different occasions on the fifteen minute chart, two ninety nine. We're holding up. We're twenty two cents away from that. So there's a number of the day, uh, three bucks in Hertz if you're trading it. Yeah, and just briefly, I mentioned we do have a couple of smaller m and Before you go, I just have one more yeah. thought on Hertz, and then yeah, before sure. you move on. So a lot of times what you do see is a two-day move because you what you see, again, we talk about this, is the Johnny-come-latelys that are like, oh, my goodness, I just looked over the weekend and Hertz went way up. I want to buy that. So you see the follow-through the next morning. Usually, if we're going textbook, that will turn after the open. So I would be careful if I'm long the Hertz and playing this out. I would not be surprised if this turns around and closes red today. So that that's textbook. Now, again, you're in a short squeeze scenario. So squeezes, maybe you're just going to squeeze more and, and keep hurting them. But I, 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 th- I it, it could turn today. So just be careful after the open. Uh, a couple of the smaller M&A deals, just in, they're at the top of my uh, movers uh, filter here, but small deals, but moving on the last BSTC, Bio uh, specific technologies that are being bought this morning. Uh, 88.50 is the price that Endo Pharmaceuticals ENDP is paying for them. So BSTC cash deal. Uh, let me actually let me pull it up for you. Yes, cash deal. Okay. So that one's going off the. Oh, that's a nice one. Okay. Um, RESI. This yeah. is also cash deal going off the board. 13.50 is your price there. Okay. And those are uh, two or smaller M&A deals. Yeah. Hard. There's no trades on these because oh. when they're cash deals, it's already done. So they give yep. the little discount, 13 cents risk garbs are putting in there that the deal goes through. All in all these things, there's no antitrust issues oh. probably. So that's why you see these things trade up almost the price. And the time value of money is almost negative here. So um, that's why they don't give much of a discount at all. Front Yard Residential Corp. Yep. R-E-S-I. That's it. I've traded it before, but I have no idea what it does. It's a REIT. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it has. Yeah. They invest in front yards. <laughs> okay. I don't think so, but all right. <laughs> uh, what else was, was on our list here? Uh, oh, what about AMC, guys? Uh, would you fade this move this morning? There's a headline that they're uh, resuming operations uh, throughout the state of New York. I mean, they're talking about going bankrupt. We've seen companies before. Am I going to short AMC for the last three bucks here? We've, you know, Hertz is bankrupt and it's $3 almost. So I I think they announced bankruptcy. It probably goes lower, but, you know, does it eventually pop off that? It's possible. I mean, the money's over in this thing, I think, for the most part. The easy money was made shorting this thing all the way down. There's still, if you're, you know, there is still three bucks on the bone here, but am I thinking AMC is a turnaround story? Absolutely not. 
Uh, traded up 19 cents. Uh, risk reward is tough here. Shorting it. If you're buying it, you know where your risk is. Made a couple lows last week for trading this lower price stock. Uh, two between 266 and 280. The Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays lows. And AMC, uh, CNK, we talked about that has. Um, I try to play that short and it started it started trying to go up. So I covered it. I was trying to play it short. I thought it would have a sympathy move and there was none to be had on Friday off the bankruptcy rumors or maybe it's Thursday. I might be losing track of days, but I, um, they did not want to knock it down. So, you know, we saw in the case of Hertz and Carr, I tried to play it that way too. That car held up pretty well, even in the Hertz when the Hertz actually announced bankruptcy. Car tried to hold up and some people speculating there might be less competition. So yep. you got to look at it from that perspective too. So sympathy play isn't always just the pure sympathy play. Either way, I'm still not investing in any any. Sympathy. Yeah, maybe if people aren't flying as much, maybe they're and they don't have a car, they're renting cars to go on vacations, and they're doing it from Avis. Don't maybe. Know. I think they were renting Winnebago's. <laughs> That's probably more likely. Uh, we will talk uh, more of the upcoming earnings with our guest at 835, but just to preview what we're going to get today after close, IBM and Logitech are going to be your, your big reports uh, this afternoon. The only one really worth noting this morning is Halliburton, uh, but afternoon we get a couple. It's kind of a lighter earning. I mean, we're not quite to the heaviest point of the earnings week yet. We have a couple big names, Netflix, Snapchat, uh, tomorrow, uh, Tesla, Chipotle, Wednesday, Intel on Thursday, but not those are the big names for the week. The next week is, is the big earnings week. We get all the big tech names next week. Uh, so, uh, and we will, we will preview this with our, our guests, like I said, at 835, Dimitri Parkonomic, but I just wanted to give you a rundown. IBM and Logitech for today, those are going to be kind of your big, your only real earnings reports for the afternoon. Thanks. Look at IBM, Dennis, yeah. after that great yeah. news. Look at that. Oh, yeah, IBM, unlocking the value. The t- unlocking- what was the news? I already forgot the news. What was the news? I remember they're spinning off. They're, they're, they're spinning off their uh, their one of their units, right, into its own. Its yeah, own what thing. unit is that? Um, uh, the, the It's managed infra- uh, infrastructure services unit. Trying to unlock the value, and everybody's like, Boom! It traded a one forty in the pre market. I remember day. that. Yep. When you get these eternal dogs like IBM popping up ten percent on, you know, financial engineering, like Joel likes to call it, it's a gift, and you take the gift. And why don't you take the gift? Because five days later, it gives it all back. Five and you're days. still. They realize later that this is IBM, and IBM can't do anything right. I mean, again, you know, we talk about old school tech not participating. IBM is the poster child for that. This is the stock that has missed the entire tech run. And not only that, like you look, IBM, $200 in 2014. QQQs, $100 in 2014. Now QQQs, $288, so up 200%. And IBM in the same time period has fallen 40%. Talk about a stock that just cannot figure it out. A tech company, the titan that IBM was, and they are just lost. Well, they tried. They're lost. They're trying to unlock value by doing spinoffs. They bought Red Hat. They tried to grow by... Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. That's why. And they paid a huge premium for Red Hat, too. They paid top dollar for Red Hat because they're, they're the Gilead of the tech companies. Like, Gilead's the same thing. They don't know what they're doing now, either. 
And that's why it's such a value trap. And yeah, you get the nice little 5% dividend, but how good is that 5% dividend it's helping you? Down. Yeah, because it falls 10% a year. So, oh, I get 5% on my money. Yeah, but it goes down 10% a year. So you're actually losing 5% on your money and you're watching every other stock go up 20% a year. So, or 30% a year, some of these techs are 50% or 100%. So I don't know what, can they turn it around? I, why? GE, IBM, you know, Ford. You think about these, these are the opposite of stories. You know, we talk about what's the hot story. These stocks are the opposite of that. They are the cold stories. They're the old news. Then the companies just can't figure it out. So why am I going to invest my hard-earned dollars into a company that absolutely cannot figure it out? So when they figure it out, maybe I'll get interested, but there's no reason to invest in IBM at any of these prices, in my opinion. Uh, Just took your eye off it but if you're a gap trader uh you gap yeah look at that i mean textbook it held up the first day okay it sold off on uh, the second day after the news they were like no can do and then uh, they drifted down in order to fill the gap you had to get to 124.39 you got to 123.85 and a little pop there so uh Let's see what's next on the agenda. Let's see. Uh, Two highs at 127. That will be the next area. See if you can get a little bit of a rebound. But here's what I'll tell you. It's going to report. It's going to report earnings tonight. And they're going to beat. If and they usually do beat. And they'll probably pop a little bit. That pop will be another selling opportunity. In my opinion, I believe it will be another selling opportunity. This pops up five, six bucks. If everybody who bought the thing on this spinoff news saying, oh, please give me my money back. I think even if IBM beats and it pops, I think it closes red tomorrow night. By tomorrow night, it's red again. I will be trying to actively sell short the IBM pop if it pops tomorrow. So, but you know, but with that being said, I'm actually long it right now. So I just want to full <laughs> disclose that because it reports and you know how I like to buy them ahead of the report. I bought this Thursday or Friday of last week and it's up a little bit. So I'm literally just in it long and I'm going to sell it here today and I will be trying to short it tonight. All right. So that's my play. I buy these stocks before they report because I try to extract that alpha and it often works. Even in IBM's case, it often works. And this morning it's somewhat working. It's up a little bit more than the S&P, but not really. So IBM's just a dog. Wow, wow, wow. Yippee, oh, yippee, yay. There's my snake. That's it. Uh, I'm going through the ratings calendar. I don't, I don't see too many ratings of note today. Uh, there was a couple. I think I saw one from HubSpot. Um, but I don't see too many upgrades or downgrades that are that are in, uh, interesting uh, this morning, unless you guys saw anything I saw that jumped out to you. Let's go but take a little look at this. Trusty Benzinga Pro. What did uh, you see, Joel? Uh, AMCX. Is that exciting? X. What? Where is he going with that? AMC. Remember, AMC. I used to like AMCX because yeah, of Walking yeah. Dead. I was like a big fan. I was like, oh, this Walking Dead show is awesome. I'm ready to buy the stock. And I actually got out of it okay. But I thought it could be a takeover candidate. And then obviously, COVID's happened here now. And wow, look at 20 wow. bucks in this thing. This kind of big reminds- support at 20. They did the Dutch auction too, and that's been holding it up. That's over now. So you know how you get those pops on the Dutch auctions where you know they it's a natural lift. You can see it back in September. Well, the Dutch auctions ended, so maybe that's why JP Morgan's downgrading it now to underweight too. So that's sell. What's the price yeah. target? Uh, I don't see one. So. I don't see one either. Maybe, um, maybe it's zero. Yeah, a Bristol Myers upgrade at Guggenheim to buy. I'm not sure that's really super interesting. 
Uh, ah, Bristol Myers, we can always look at. I like trading Bristol Myers. It's a fun stock to trade. There's not really any 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 big ratings today. Uh, no, there is the. Uh, there, this is not rating day. Tomorrow nope. is rating day. Always Tuesday because you got to think the analyst busy weekend. Oh, I've got to finish up that report. I'll do it on Monday. Finish up the report. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Check it in. It gets out there Monday night or Tuesday morning. So that's why you always see the big moves in ratings on Tuesday. Because what analyst wants to work through the weekend? Oh, I'm going to go away from my family, finish up this report it's my Sunday, and get this thing out Sunday night. There's some people that don't have family life, but for the most part, I, I believe this is why we see a lot of the analysts. So this is, I don't have any, I'm not an analyst, so I'm just thinking the way logic, you know, logically speaking, that if I, you know, I don't like doing stock stuff when, you know, on the weekend because I like to enjoy my family. So you have family, you're an analyst, probably putting out Tuesday. What about Tesla price target raise? This is something we can talk about. Wedbush, chasing what price. What do you think? Whatever. This is this is just a teaser chart, man. Four seventy-five to five hundred. Is that really a a bold no, call? When it's already traded there too. But uh, it had that day. I don't know why. Why did get over four sixty that one day? It was on Wednesday. We had some news. Was it? Was it another analyst move or something? Probably. And uh, uh, boy, this is this is just I, a, wait from Wednesday. That that was Goldman on Wednesday. Go, Every day, oh, another analyst. Wow, I am just looking at this thing, and four sixty five ninety was your was your uh, your high last week. So you thought you cleared four sixty, and it was in the rearview mirror, uh, but you came back down. I'm still looking at this close, uh, this uh, August 25th close, because that's a split adjusted close. That's uh, 442.68. Oh, man. I, maybe just waiting for Mr. Market here, right? If we get a strong bull market, it, which I don't know what we're going to do between now and the election. Uh, but I've never, when, when has Tesla been this quiet? Could someone please? You're right. It's looking, well, the earnings are coming. Yeah, you're right. Position squaring ahead of earnings. Position, position squaring ahead of the earnings. So we're Wednesday night. Wednesday night we get Tesla. I, I don't want to be short two days before Tesla. So no. you know, no. we'll we'll see what happens. So it's trading up a little bit. I mean, the, uh, it was an ugly candle on Friday, but it, it's a little bit. You know, obviously we got earnings. Coming, Still a so range. We'll see what happens man. Wednesday. Yeah, just under four twenty. Uh, four twenty to four sixty. It's been pretty much your range uh since the end of september pretty rare there for tesla we'll see what uh see what happens on earnings s&p's have pulled off the high a little bit nothing nothing alarming here though we hit a high at 96.50 we're just hanging out here at uh at 34.89 still showing a uh, a nice gain on the day of course it had a little makeup to do from that uh late day thrashing i don't know if it was amazon or just some sellers, but uh, your after hours, uh, your final stanza, the last hour got a little bit, a little bit tricky. But here, right back up where we traded a lot in the session on Friday, right around thirty-four ninety. We give oh. Mitch some love here for yeah, Fubo. I was about to bring Fubo up actually because we've got some tickers in the chat. I saw Fubo get dropped in there, and we discussed that on Friday. Yeah, and Mitch with the call on that. Good day on Friday. I don't know why it was up so much again. Uh, after hours or in the pre-market session this morning, I have no idea, but it's off those highs now. But regardless, good call, Mitch on Fubo on Friday. Oh, and Mitch. Joel with the technicals because yeah. Joel's like, don't chase it if it comes back down, you know, and tries to fill the or the, the the pre-market gap that I had. That's when you strike, and I believe Mitch actually listened to Joel perfectly and timed his buy perfectly. And Mitch, are you still on that? 
See yeah, there? Yeah, man. Yeah, I got that at uh, 1099. Holy <laughs> mackerel, you bought the low. Oh. That's the Joel Alcon and technicals. You, so you bring the story. Joel brings the technicals, and it's the perfect storm. And you got the combo trade, the Mitch story, Joel technicals. You're getting the perfect price, basically, at the low of the day, 11 bucks. What are you doing with it? You holding? Um, well, I actually, I actually, I day traded it. I sold it up at the 1180 once it got up to that high and broke yeah. the broke kind you of still the high in of the or day. Did you hold some? Um, no, I, I took, I took about 350 shares and it was just a bang in bang out trade. Um, yeah. a lot of the times that's what I like to do, but what I think it's really a great lesson in is not only knowing the story, cause you can find the right story sometimes, but sometimes we just don't time it correctly. And I think that that's a, it's a great lesson how Joel took his technicals. And if you can combine story fundamentals with technicals to get your entry, that's truly how you're going to get a lot of the times your best uh, position for those long-term swings. It worked perfectly. I had it written down on my sheet and then I get sidetracked and obviously moving all weekend there. So I didn't actually buy it, but it was written down to buy it. So I just don't do what it says on my sheet a lot of times. <laughs> this was your story though, Mitch. And I was like, I like the Mitch picks. Obviously brought us workhorses, brought us some good ones in the past. So I like the Fubo story here too. And uh, you know what? On a pullback, I'd be interested. I got the next one I'm going to be watching today. I'm going to be watching MGM. I've seen it made uh, Whoa. quite, quite a amount of lows. Um, I, I like the the story to get hot in some of the other kind of casinos uh, stocks, some of the other gambling why? plays. Why? Um, reason why, I think Penn and DKNG are going to take a backseat. Um, they were the ones that like kind of brought the whole industry forward. And now I'm going to be looking for some of the lagger plays to get some of the rotation money to go into. So I'll be looking at MGM. Um, I like those bottoms right there at the twenties. It looks really, it looks really nice there. It has a couple bottoms there. So I think if buyers push it through that 22, you can get right back above that 24 spot. And then if someone goes and steps up there, boom, we can make our way back up to thirties. Holding key support. Yeah. Key. It gapped up a while ago back in August. And then, uh, just kind of been holding. That's that's what you're looking for when you're looking for some institutional accumulation. They're not they're not really chasing it. They're sitting there. What are all these loads from last week? 21, 2068, 2083, 2075. I'd shorter term, I mean, I'm just looking at 22 here. Uh, those are what your five and six day highs just above 22, 2203, 2208. But uh, see if uh, see if you can catch a bid here. Uh, DKNG uh, continues to weather away. It, it, it's got it's going to have a bounce here eventually. It's oversold now. I, I said it's got a date with 35. I think it's still there, but I, it's oversold here now. It's straight down. How many red candles in the last two weeks? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's like eight out of ten. I don't know. I, I if you're shorting now, you're late to the party. Yeah, trying to work. Yeah, that forty. You see those three lows in the lower forty handle. Uh, we talked about. I think forty, maybe forty. Yeah. I might even buy for a bounce trade of forty if it gets there. What do you yep. think? Where are you buying Decanji? Are you looking at this one? Story could get hot again. Uh I mean, it's turned. I mean, I'd be waiting for that. Those three lows at the lower forty dollar area. Yeah, I think you got to wait. I think so too. I think you wait for forty. There's gonna be a little squeeze in here yet, though. It's been too easy for the shorts. 
So yeah. you got to get a little ugly green candle for the for the shorts, obviously <laughs> ugly. And then, um, you know, maybe eventually a wash loved all those longs down to 40 and maybe a bounce there. But I think I like that 40 level as well. Yeah, yeah. just a bit quiet. I'm sorry, Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, Joel, you mentioned the the perfect head and shoulders on that one, uh, the day that it was at the 50s. So That's true, yeah. actually. Yeah, it is a pretty head that. and shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Like the shampoo. <laughs> Just like it, Dennis. Uh, I, I want to <laughs> bring on our guest. Not dandruff, too, that stock. <laughs> I, I want to bring on our guest here, Dimitri Pragmatic. He is the co-founder of a site called Market Chameleon, a really good uh, options research platform. And what I like about it, uh, Dimitri, as I try to pull your camera up here, is when it comes to earnings season, uh, I'm always curious how stocks behave uh, into and out of their report. Uh, and, your, and your site has that. So if I can, I just want to pull up uh, a screen uh, graph here, or I guess a chart, whatever you want to call this, a table uh, of, of Netflix's earnings. And I just want, I'll pull it up on the screen. There's a lot of numbers here, but I just want to show everyone what I'm looking at right now. And I'll make it bigger if, it, if it's too small. But this is just a historical earnings table uh, of Netflix's earnings for going back the last like three or four years here. And um, let me make it. There, that's that's nice and big, right? Uh, and this is this is just how Netflix has historically reacted. Th- this column here, let me make it a little smaller. There, uh, how Netflix has historically reacted to their last few earnings reports. Here, you can see it in the red more often than it's in the green. Uh, Dimitri, can you explain sort of this table for us uh, with regards to like what what we're looking at here and, and how Netflix tends to react to its earnings reports? Right. Yeah. Good morning, guys, and thanks for having me on the show. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, is it actually possible for me to control this screen? Just yeah. to yeah, just let's to do it. let's do it. Yeah, it'll be easier for me. Let me just see if if it's okay. I'm gonna switch to this screen. Let me know if you see my screen right now. We're in process. You got it, we but, do. But just zoom in for us. A little small. Okay. I see it pretty good. You have bad eyes, Spencer. Okay, I've got bad eyes. Sue me. <laughs> How's that? That's good. You're good. Sure. Okay. Well, so, so yeah. So before you know, as options traders, we look at earnings from the volatility perspective. How much it could potentially move. You know, we kind of look maybe a directional bias, and we also look from implied volatility perspective. So I'll go over each one of those kind of separately. But this is how Netflix tended to perform heading into earnings, around earnings, and after earnings. So we could see here, just this is the the distribution of returns prior to earnings, coming into earnings. So we see here that it tended to do the best starting out two weeks heading into earnings. We see that 75% of those uh, returns were positive versus 25% negative with an average return of 6.9%. So that was the strongest performance. We also see that the day of earnings, it tended to actually open lower more often than higher. So 58% of the time we see it gap down, 42% it gapped higher for an average return of 0.2%. Here we're looking at from the perspective of the magnitude of the move. So, you know, as options traders, you own straddles, you, you or whatever uh, strategy you have based on the magnitude of the move. So from the opening gap, we see on average, it moved 5.9% up or down neither direction. That's the magnitude of the move at the opening gap. Um, we also see uh, from the open to the high, the average move was 2.1%. From the open to the low, the average move was three down 3%. And from the open to the close of the day, 
it tended to actually uh, drift lower more often than higher. So we see 75% of the time from that opening, it tended to go down and close lower, 25% higher for an average return of 0.7%. Coming so, out so, of earnings, it do you, like see, it. This is a great perspective because I just want to interrupt you for a second because more often than not, Netflix, uh, as most companies do, they, they beat their estimates, right? Netflix beats on their EPS and their sales more often than not. But what, right. you're, what you're saying is, at least going back the last 12 quarters, so the last, the last few years, uh, more often than not, despite those beats, the stock, the stock fades. The stock fades, right, exactly. So most of that, it's already priced in heading into earnings. So if you're just looking from a bullish perspective on Netflix, you could see here heading into earnings, that's where it made most of those gains. Two weeks prior to earnings, that's where most of those gains were, were made. Even after reporting earnings and beating, it still tended to drift lower. And you could see even the week after, right, heading out of heading out of the earnings, it tended to perform pretty weak, right? That's one day, two days. So you could see here, it was pretty weak. And here, I'll just show you another report really quickly. And this is the post earnings drift. So after reporting earnings, right, everything reprices. And then between earnings, the stocks will tend to drift. And that's basically the new expectation building into the next earnings until we know the next earnings, you know, it's all expectation. So we see here that the drift from previous earnings right now, after the after they reported the last earnings right now, we're at 7.7%. So that's how much we drifted higher from the previous earnings. That compares to an average drift of 10.4%. So a little bit weaker now than, we, than the historical averages. Of course, we're seeing some reports in Netflix that they're expecting to have a slowdown in the rate of new subscriptions from the COVID. They had this big increase now it's starting to decrease also i think that there's some news out there that uh that they're also slowing down in new content releases right since the covid they haven't been able to uh update new content as quickly as they used to be so that might weigh in there but to your point spencer here here we see that this is that six in the last 12 quarters 67 percent of the time they beat earnings they beat on earnings per share, right? right For an right. average of 12 cents, right, 58% right. of the time they beat on the revenue, but here's the price impact. After reporting earnings, 67% of the time, the stock finished lower on the day after reporting earnings. So we'll see what, you know, what happens this time, but that's how the, that's what the historical averages are showing us right now. Um, prior, prior to earnings. Another thing we could take a look at is, when you're playing it from the magnitude of the move, I'll take a look at the over here. Now this is looking at option, mostly from the options traders perspective to see how well the, the straddle was priced heading into earnings. So if you're taking the front month straddle, buying the call, buying the put, really you're just looking for the magnitude of the move, right? So if you're buying it, you want the move to be greater than the cost of this straddle. If you're selling it, you want the move to be below the cost of that straddle. So here we see that in the last 12 quarters that the options overestimated the move 75% of the time. So the average expectation was up or down 8.7% versus the average actual move was 5.2%. So we see about a 3.2%. 
5% differential between the implied and realized moves. So I'll show you what that looks like graphically. So you see here these bars, these bars over here, these are historical bars. This represents what the expected move was up or down. The red here, that's the actual move to the downside. The green is the actual move to the upside. Wow. So when it breaks through that straddle, you'll see it like here where I'm hovering over July 17th. The actual move was down 10.3% versus the expected move of plus or minus 7.1%. So I here, mean, this is the up. Yep. I just want to, um, you know, this is awesome to see it graphically like this. And this just goes, you know, we talk about stuff like this all the time. And it's funny to watch, you know, the quantitative, you know, analysis that you're giving. And my own personal trading strategies is like, I like to buy them a couple of days before the earnings, two, three days before. And I've seen that positive expectation. And I've always talked right. about, you know, shorting the straddle. And it's like, right. it seems like these things don't want to you know obviously go outside with a straddle range i'm looking at this last 12 quarters and there's really not even a lot of heat for any of the straddle riders here and you know it looks like you know losses in only maybe two of these cases and if they weren't traded at while they may not even lose in those cases so it goes to show you that it's tough to make money buying options it's very tough to make money exactly it's, and you'll see them you know usually they'll tend to be a little bit overpriced just because of that you know tail and unexpected unexpected move but this is a pretty big differential here right about 3.5 percent if you're playing the long-term averages and here just to give you a perspective here's the long straddle it was only only profitable 25 percent of the time in the last 12 quarters for an average loss over the last 12 quarters of 30 percent so if you did this every time over and over and over again in the last 12 quarters for for every dollar you lost 30 cents on average that's wow. That's the that's the historical averages here. From the other side of it, the credit iron butterfly, that was a winner 70% of the time for an average return of 73%. So the credit iron butterfly, that's where you're selling the straddle, but you're buying the wings for protection in case it really moves far away from you. You know, you still have that protection um, in on the upside and downside for those tail moves. Dimitri, can we see Tesla? Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. go. Can we go because Te Netflix is tomorrow? We get at least a little bit more time with Tesla in a couple of days. So, can you just go a little further? Out yeah, there? yeah, so definitely. And before I go, like just the the other thing, and I'm going to do this with Tesla as well, is that you want to look at the implied volatility because one one way to play it is obviously with the move, like we're you're talking about, Dennis, with the with the straddles. The other way is if you're going and playing the implied volatility, right? You you could play the move in the in the very near term options and then go out where there's more vega to the to the further out far further dated options to play the implied volatility crush so here what we see is this is the 30-day constant maturity these are options that are not in the in the near term but at least 30 trading days you know to maturity so we see here the average implied volatility crush the day after earnings is 31 percent so the day before before announcing earnings, the average implied volatility is 51.7% in, in Netflix. Day after, average implied volatility is 35.6%. Five days after, 359 So that that's like if you're playing a calendar spread like I have here, you know, uh, doing doing the near, you know, either buying the near term, selling the further out, or buying the further out, selling the near term. When you're playing that calendar spread, you're looking for that implied volatility crush. Let's... So I'll just do the same thing. You wanted to go take a look at Tesla. So yeah. let's see how that. 
that's been doing. So let's just start out again with the stock patterns here. Let me just move that. Just let me know if you see the screen. Yep, we see it. So right here, just look looking at it really closely. Seems to me, the only thing you know that that pops out in the observation is about three days before, two days before. That's where you see you know the biggest the the biggest pop, the biggest uh, uh, percentage gainers here. Three days prior to earnings, eighty three percent success rate with an average return of two point nine percent. Two days before. Also, 83% um, historical win rate for an average return of 2.4%. After reporting earnings, it looks like, you know, in the morning, it's like 50-50, half the time it gapped higher, half the time it gapped lower uh, for an average gain of 2.2%. So the gaps to the upside tended to be higher than the ones to the downside. The average move in the morning at the open, up or down 7.3% with the high move of 17.2% right here on October 23rd. Uh, after the opening, this is how it tended to trade. From the open to the high of the day, the average move 2.4%. From the open to the low of the day, average move of 4.6%. So you see there, if we're if we're just taking the risk reward to the upside, downside skewed more to the downside, right? Taking a look at how it, what it did from the open to the close of the day, drifted it's almost 50 50 but you know 58 percent of the time from from the open to the close of the day drifted lower from the open to the to the close 42 percent higher for an average loss of negative 1.7 percent so unlike netflix it looks like tesla does actually perform relatively well after like in the days and weeks after its report yeah exactly so so heading out to you're you're probably just looking at the some of the percentage gains when probably here you're better off waiting after the earnings right to see what they say and then playing it playing it maybe right after the right after the close after the earnings because it looks like after the earnings two days later 75% of the time it was higher for an average gain of 3.7% 3 days later 75% of the time it was higher for an average gain of 5.9% and I'll show you so, so what this is saying is maybe don't necessarily trade the trade Tesla tomorrow, Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe wait till Friday or Monday. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, just from from this historical return distribution, oh, right? Yeah. From this historical return distribution, right? It t- it looks to me like well, you, you your risk reward was better off waiting after the news than trading it right into the news from a bullish perspective, right? So, so we see here, you know. You got you got a lot of volatility average, and this are your average gains, average win rates here. You got a 5.9% average return, 75% win rate for the same volatility. Yeah. So on a risk reward basis, you know why why play into the event if you if you, the if your returns for your for the risk that you're taking, your risk reward ratios were much better waiting after the news. How, so that's- how's that straddle look on the Tesla? So, yeah, so let's take a look at the strap. I'm going to do really quickly, just show you guys what, what happened since, since it's last reported earnings, and then we'll go in there. But, you know, the drift since it last reported earnings, 45%, that compares to an average drift of 17.9%. So we see here, you know, and, and the, the standard deviation is 34.8. So we see here that at, at least at right now, 
a lot more uh, enthusiasm built into that stock, right? More than more than the average. So keep, keep that in mind. And of course, they did report. Uh, they came out with that they're working on a new battery to reduce the prices of cars. I think that what are they saying? Like the next car, Tesla might be like twenty nine grand. Um, but let's take a look at the the straddle performance here. Um, so these again, these are the implied moves versus the historical the historical implied moves versus the historical average moves. So here, th this is telling us that the options tended to overestimate the the actual move 67% of the time. The average of the implied moves was 9.1% in either direction versus historical average of 8.3%. So got about a 0.8% differential between the implied and realized move. Um, not, as, not as much as uh, Netflix. Here we see this is, we're heading into the next earnings. So as of uh, Friday's close, we're not open yet. The, the Straddle was implied move 10.7%. And here's how, you know, we, we could see here how it's performed in the past. So, so here, when it broke through the straddle is pretty significant, right? Like we're looking at October 23rd, for example, it reported after the market close that act, actual stock price gained 17.7% versus the straddle implying 7.6%. Um, down here, again, you know, July 24th, that stop stop is down 13.6% versus the implied move 6.9%. So about two times the, the straddle. So it could be pretty significant. And I'll show you here, even though over here, we see that the straddle was a winner only 33% of the time. If we took the average returns on average, you still made a 3% gain. So Keep in mind, even though you know you're a winner more often than not selling that straddle, when that stock moved, it offset your losses, you know, more than more than the gains. Yeah, really, um, really good stuff here at Dimitri Parkonomic. We'll have to definitely get you back on later in the earnings season because I, as I said at the top, I love seeing these historical returns like displayed out in this table form like this because it's really awesome. to see yep. the patterns how these stocks trade into immediately after and then uh, weeks, days and weeks after their reports. Dimitri Parkonomic is the co-founder of a site called marketchameleon.com. Again, I highly recommend it, especially if you trade options. Dimitri, thanks a lot. We'll get you on later on the earnings season. Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks, right. Dimitri. Uh, I want to get to some stocks from the chat here. There is a few tickers being thrown out that I have written down. Uh, TTCF, this is Tattooed Chef. This is the stock formerly known as FMCI. That merger went through last week. So that we were asked about that this morning. What's the uh, symbol? TTCF. Tattooed Chef. Tattooed Chef. Yeah, but this is the former FMCI um, SPAC. So now it's the merger is complete. TTCF is is the company Tattooed Chef, and that merger. What are they doing? What are they? It's they, uh, they put tattoos on you know oh, very shit. good cooks. There. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I, I have no idea. It was low hanging fruit. I have no idea what they do. No, it's. I'm uh, assuming they're rest. There's they're they're cooking stuff. What what are they doing? Yeah, the, I, I thought they were involved in like plantless foods uh, or meatless foods, not plantless foods. Meatless. Oh, one of these. Well, that's a story, I guess. What is it again? Plant-based yeah, it, foods? It, it, it's plant-based foods. Yeah. It's the same stuff. Every SPAC wants to do an EV. Yeah. Plant-based. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
didn't uh, uh, Barron's came out with some information on SPACs, right? This weekend, Spencer? right? But that was really <laughs> <the> plantless <laughs> meat. Well, that, that was yeah, plantless meat, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to come up with the Joe. We should come up with the SPAC, the no, plantless um, meat. The Barron's the Barron's article was more about the worst possible meals. We don't feed, <laughs> we don't feed the cows any grass at all. We no way. Want a meaty meat. <laughs> we we, we want a plantless meat. So we don't give them water. The cows, no water. Anymore. No water. We no feed water. The cows, bacon. <laughs> the cows. That's a good idea. Salami. It's for the real meatitarians out there, you know, the people who want no vegetable in them whatsoever. <laughs> I don't want my cow eating any meat at all. This is a good idea. Yeah, can, the cow cannot be plantless able- meat. The cow cannot graze in the field. It needs to eat bacon. <laughs> That would be good, man. That would. Be- I think we could make a lot of money. Let's do this back. We got to. We'll get right after the open here. Uh, I don't know these spacks when they turn in, uh, you know, stocks. I'm just looking at this HYLN, and yeah. I, I mean, you saw what happened to this thing. It's come all the way down, and it's not bouncing yet. So I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at that chart on the thing, and I like listening to Dennis's. Uh, Thing about the about the ba- feeding bacon to the cows better. <laughs> okay, fine, fair enough. What? what up. See what you started, Spencer, with yeah. that stock. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, I, I started by saying plantless uh, <laughs> food. Uh, slip of the tongue there. What about CVS here? Uh, so we we were asked about the CVS Walgreens combo. I did see a PR that CVS is looking to staff up, add as many fifteen thousand employees to prepare for the flu season and uh, potential COVID vaccine rollout. So what about CVS here? I haven't looked at this one for a while. CVS oh. is best of breed, but that breed is just not that great. So I don't know. Sold to you. I don't want CVS. Sixty dollars looks like resistance. Yeah, it's trading up here. It just hit sixty ten, up thirty four cents. Don't seem. Uh, I see a high. Last week's high. If you're a weekly trader, last week's high at sixty twenty two. So you've got to get through that. Maybe to get a look at that previous day's high at sixty eighty. It's a lot of highs in the sixties. Handle. How did uh, WBA do? They had their earnings right, mm-hmm. and they did okay. They held on. I don't know. Remember yeah, what day on. it was. They're holding on for dear life. It still bothers doing. me when I go into and I and it. This is definitely post COVID. I mean, they just don't have stuff on the shelves. I mean, I don't know if people are not buying it or supply chains or people are getting it online. I, I just don't understand it. It's uh, you know, use and it's not just the toilet paper. It's like all different things. It's weird. I have to take a picture. I have to pull a Brian Sazi on that. <laughs> We're saucy. We used to get saucy. I know. He, he, when we know first why? started the show, saucy was our go-to guest. He went big time, man. He went he big went, time. He went bigger than us, eh? Yeah, he. We're went, all on the same level. He took off. What happened to us? We didn't he went up. to the street <laughs> and uh, Larry went the street. Are they bigger? And then than now us? he's a yacht. I don't. I think we're bigger than the street. I. Well, I'm calling well, us bigger than the street for now sure. A, so now maybe he went small time. Well, now he's a Yahoo, and Yahoo's got that Verizon money, so. Um, yeah, is that where he's at? Yahoo now? Yeah, that's right. We're bigger than Yahoo, aren't we? Oh, Yahoo's got that variety. (laughs) We love you, Yahoo. We love the street. We love everyone. We're just having some fun. Okay, what else did I write down from the chat that we want to uh look at here? Um, uh, we were asked about ACI. I think we were asked about this last week too. Albertson, we were definitely asked about this last week. Oh, yeah, the uh. 
stock going down. That's good news. The bad news is it's still an overall downtrend, and it's a grocery store that's went bankrupt before. So, yeah, and you always get to ask yourself, like, what? and it has that awful ticker symbol, that Arch Cole ticker yeah. symbol. Like, I keep thinking that? of Arch Cole, and then it's like bad memories. And like Albertsons, why didn't you pick a different ticker symbol? I know Albert Mail had ALB on you, but anyways. you remember when they were Skaggs Albertsons? Remember that, Spencer? That was a long time what ago. What was that? No. They were, they went by Skaggs Albertsons. Is that what they were called? Yeah. This they called was themselves a long time. Skaggs? Yeah. They did a merger with somebody. Name. Maybe someone older can help us out here. Older I'd rather have Kroger. I'd rather yeah. go Kroger. How is Kroger doing? It's holding on. I'm still waiting for it to come to 30 again. That's where I bought it originally. It comes back to 30 and buy rebuying Kroger. I like Kroger. I'm going Krogering someday. All when, right, they let, when they let me back into the States. Yeah. You could fly. I can fly across. Uh, we'll, we'll, fly across. Where are you going? Going to Kroger. Let's Flying see, across. Last, last one, real fast. Peloton. P T O N. Stock goes up and up and up and up and up. Oh, I had an ugly candle on Friday. But you know what's had ugly candles before and the buy the dippers just emerge and who knows. Valuation's stupid, but whatever. The trend's your friend still. Nice Jeff Mackey purple crayon there. Yeah. Keep going till that breaks. It's an ugly candle. It's a little concerning, but we've had ugly candles before. And like I said, these buy the dippers, you just can't shake them. So I'm not shorting until that trend breaks. Yeah. How about this? Ooh. Oh, I haven't done a trend line in a while. Look at Joel. Look at this. There you go. Ah, oh. that's a clean trend line. Look, Look at how that. Clean. Oh, should we just get really so clean? Should we but just it's get... blue. Jeff Mackey wanted the purple. Next oh, time, purple. Quit complaining. Here, right. let's let's go. Uh, let's just really get fancy here. What are you oh. doing now? You're oh, channeling. You're doing a channel. Look, channelingstocks.com. Man, right here. Is that yeah. still site? Channelingstocks.com. Yes. Remember that kid that retired at like 20 years old because he. Bought high and sold. Look at that. Look bought at that low channel. and sold high again and again. That's a channel handle over there. There you go. Where's Joe Chade? The channel. Yeah. The lower end, the upper end. All right, Handling. folks. Wait. Sorry. This is a Monday kind of tangent. This is, this is grade one art. We taught you grade one math to start the show. We're teaching you grade one art to end the show. Look Great. at this. Grade quick, one. Quick My kid's in grade one. He could do all this stuff. Quick advertisement here. Quick advertisement here. Uh, over the weekend, a video went live a trader's journey. Uh, with Dennis Dick, it's about a half with me, with you, it's about a half hour long. Holy um, mackerel, that's a long time to listen. You want to me. a half hour of Dennis explaining uh, his his career story, how he lost eighteen trades in a row once, how he trades yeah. now, how he's developed over time. Really recommend. It was a rough start. Yeah. So did they I, have Dennis? Joel used, uh, to, Joel used to beat me in the back room there at the old Bright Trading Office there. <laughs> I just say the wrong thing. I'd lose on 18 yeah. trades in a row. He's like, go to the corner. Don't Dennis, you open your mouth. Dennis. Um, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the length that they just posted. Was that interview, was that one or two questions? Yeah, no. One question <laughs> is a run-on sentence for 30 minutes. So I, I'll, I'll tweet it out again. I tweet it out. If you go to my Twitter handle, I'll tweet it out Triple D Trader. It's out there at Triple D Trader. I will tweet it again here once the show stops. But no, Mitch, you did a fabulous job editing that, obviously fabulous uh interview done too by ryan so great job all around benzinga you made me look actually pretty good look i didn't it. shave though that was a problem but like i said you know um i never shave so you wouldn't recognize me if i was shaving although you see i put on a collared shirt just in case i had a couple new listeners i like yeah. collared shirt just like joel shirts. collared shirt 
Yep. All yep. fancy this morning. Right. Yeah, got one of the many Michigan ones out here. Uh, not optimistic about this uh, first game at Minnesota. Lions uh, won. Uh, yeah, they did. They beat the worst Jacksonville. But, uh, <laughs> they won. A win's a win. It all counts in the same column. All right. As a reminder, you can catch a replay of this show on YouTube or on uh, every major podcast platform. In the description of this video is a link to the Benzinga uh, swag store, link to upcoming Benzinga events, and also a link to Benzinga uh pro should be in there as well you should get our newsletters as well we have those newsletters every morning in your inbox go to benzinga.com sign up on the right side of the page for the various benzinga newsletters please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice thanks to our guest dimitri programmatic and all of our chatters in all of our various chats everyone have a great rest of your day joel and i will be back at 3 40 p.m eastern time when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.